Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I am Oren McIntyre. So, the day has finally come. Uh, things have finally gotten this bad. Uh, the, the country has fallen to this low of a state where you actually need to explain to people who are Christians and in leadership in conservative spheres as to why you shouldn't tolerate satanic altars in your state capital. I know that seems insane. And it's not just the David French's of the world. It was a large swath of people across the conservative sphere, sphere wanted to make a statement about why religious toleration included monuments to the devil. And so I want to make it clear here that this is not a debate. Uh, this is just true. Satanic altars are evil and you should not display them in public should not allow them to be displayed in public. But I'm going to explain for conservatives who need a little bit of background, who seem a little confused as to how they can make the case, what the case actually is for uh, the conservative case for why you need to not display satanic altars. Because obviously, this is not something you should be doing. This is not something that should exist in our nation. It should not be in our public spaces. And it most importantly, should not be something that occurs during Christmas, during the celebration of the birth of Christ. Again, all of this should be super obvious. No one would have ever needed this case to be made to them previously. The founding fathers wouldn't need this case made to them. None of the founding Christian people of the United States would have been confused as to why this is a problem. But somehow in the year 2023, in the year of our Lord, 2023, this is, this is very confusing for people. They, they want to say that you need to defend this on the case of li religious liberty or something like that. The First Amendment means you have to have satanic altars in every state house throughout America. I'm going to explain why that understanding is wrong. But before we do, guys, let me tell you a little bit about today's sponsor. These days, it's impossible to thrive with just one job. Between increasing living costs, paying off debts, and planning for the future, things like buying a home, building savings, and even going on vacation can seem like fantasies. If your goal is financial freedom, you could start taking on more hours at your current job, work towards a promotion, or try putting your money into something risky like stocks, cryptocurrencies, or even a side hustle. But at the end of the day, do you really want to sacrifice time and energy that could otherwise be spent with your loved ones or on your hobbies just to make a living? Luckily, you don't have to hustle to reliably make more money. All you have to do is job stacking. Job stacking is the best way for regular people, regular employees, to unleash their earning potential and increase job and financial security. How? by working multiple jobs, but without burning out, or more importantly, getting caught by corporate overlords. Job stacking allows you to reliably receive paychecks from multiple employers each month without having to work more than eight hours a day. You don't have to be in tech or any particular field or industry to do it as long as you can work remotely. If you've thought about working multiple jobs, but you're not sure how to start or are afraid of getting caught, get the fundamental job stacking course today and learn all of the secrets on how to sustainably work multiple full-time jobs from the foremost expert on the matter, Rolf Halza, author of Job Stacking. Rolf has worked multiple full-time jobs since 2018, including hybrid jobs, and has condensed all of his experiences and wisdom into a single four-module online course so you can start proficiently job stacking without having to make mistakes, figuring things out on your own, or reinventing the wheel in the process. Go to www.jobstacking.com and enter the promo code ORIN to get a special discount. All right, so... A lot of the misunderstanding, I think, from people on the right. We know why people on the left want this to be displayed. We that That's not hard to figure out. It's the people on the right that are concerning, that are confusing uh, in this scenario. And I think the problem is that a lot of people on the right have a, have a very progressive, and I know that doesn't sound right, but stay with me here for a second, a lot of people on the right have a very modern and progressive understanding of the Constitution. They really only understand the law as it's existed in the last 20 or 30 years. They do not understand the larger principle. They are, they are not dedicated to the Constitution. They are dedicated to legalism. They are dedicated to the idea of legal positivism. They believe that everything is about just arguing the minutia of the law. And this is really easy to get into. You can understand how this happens. You know, so some of us are a little on the spectrum. We understand what it is to get stuck into a conversation 
and to not think about the wider issues involved. So, so I'm sympathetic to this. I understand where this comes from, but let me set the frame for this real quick. So this mainly comes down to a statue. I'm sure most of you have heard about this at this point, but Iowa had a, you know, displays that you could, you could have up during kind of this season. And because of our, our newfound dedication to religious pluralism uh, in in the broadest possible sense, everybody who applies for it basically has to be allowed. And so the Satanic Temple in Iowa decided to put a statue up of uh, of Bahamut uh, in 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 the lobby of the Iowa State Building, the Capitol Building. And this created the ruckus you would expect. A lot of people did not like this, and that's good. It's nice that it can still cause a ruckus. However, I, before I get into the particulars of the events surrounding this, I want to say a little bit about kind of the importance of symbols and statues and the sacred. So every society organizes itself around an idea of the sacred. And it's really easy for people who were brought up in this modern and cynical age to laugh that off, you know, it, it's kind of harsh to our ears, even people who are religious, even people who are Christians or, or are conservatives, that language can still sound harsh because it's been coded to us as low class. And that's something you really got to remember. It's really important to remember that one of the key ways that the left has won is coding religious language or the interest in public religious displays as low class as something that, the, oh, that's that stupid trailer park talk or something like that, right? That That's the way that they have coded it. There's a reason that every villain and every movie, that every, every backwards and toothless person was the one who was talking about their religious faith or that the, you know, the, the need to restrict certain behaviors, to have certain standards. Those words were put in the mouth of those people by Hollywood and you know our, our our culture for a reason because they wanted to communicate the idea and associate these ideas with being low class. But things are always sacred to a society, and you can tell because we have plenty of sacred things today. There are certain words that you can't use in public or online. Certain topics that you can't touch because they're taboo. Certain rituals that you need to go through to show that you are progressive enough, that you're leftist enough, right? There are certain topics you are not allowed to talk about, certain truths that you are not allowed to address because we have sacred boundaries around those topics. So don't fool yourself just because we have secularized, just because we have changed some of the language and we have removed uh, you know, the, the holy book or the official religion as the central part of, of, of that faith or the sacredness. Don't fool yourself. There are still very many sacred things, sacred boundaries, sacred taboos, things you must worship, things you must genuflect before in our modern era. So don't confuse the, the idea of religion uh, and kind of its, its removal from the public square with thinking that the sacred is gone. Our society is still built around an image of the sacred. We've just shifted what it is. Now, statues are, of course, monuments that are designed to inspire reverence. That's the whole reason you build a statue. Oh, look at that statue. Oh, look what that person did or what the, that group of people did. Or look, look you know, that, that horse or that eagle, that's a symbol of something that has been accomplished. They're, they're there to inspire reference. And so the kinds of statues that a civilization creates, that they tolerate, or that they destroy tells you a lot about the characters or value of the people. It tells you what they hold sacred. If you have a statue of something, you are probably revering that thing. If you can't tolerate a statue of something, then you probably despise that thing. It triggers your disgust mechanism. And so the things that you venerate through statues or the things that you refuse to tolerate by the destruction of previous monuments to them through iconoclasm that tells you about the society and what it holds sacred, the character and values of the people. Now, the left is, of course, perfectly aware of this, right? They love to make fun of the sacred. They make love to make it, oh, how ridiculous, right? That, that's one of the ways that the left keeps you from protecting your history, your heritage, your religion, your culture. They make it ridiculous, right? They mock the idea that you would even hold, hold, hold fast to those truths, right? 
They mock those things. And that's the way that they kind of drive you away. They shame you about you trying to protect those things. But they understand the power of them, which is why they've made the destruction and replacement of statues a central part of the Cultural Revolution, right? When we remember the whole wokeness thing, the, the, the modern incarnation of it, at least, that most people think about, started by tearing down statues. Before there was George Floyd, before there was all this stuff, BLM started by tearing down statues, demanding especially statues of Confederate generals, right? That was the first ask, is we have to remove Confederate generals. If you remember, you know, the Trump, you know, good people on both sides, the whole Charlottesville thing, that all started because activists were determined to destroy every facet of history that was connected to the Confederacy, right? And so the destruction of Confederate generals and their statues, anything that was honoring the Confederacy, was key to this movement. And to be fair, a lot of conservative commentators basically aided and abetted this effort. There were a lot of conservative commentators who said, well, the Confederacy were losers. The Confederacies were, were traitors. And you'll notice that most of these guys tend to live on the coasts. Uh, they, they probably didn't have any family who fought in the Civil War. Uh, you know, they, they tend not to be connected to this event. And so for them, they're conservative. But, you know, they're not connected to all those evil people. They're one of the good ones, the good conservatives who wouldn't understand or be connected to any of those kinds of heritage. And so instead, they specifically say, oh, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't honor these losers. Maybe we shouldn't honor these traitors. These statues should be should be put in museums. They belong in private collections. They don't they shouldn't exist in public displays. Now, of course, that's garbage because a lot of people forget the purpose of a lot of these statues. So obviously the Civil War is a terrible thing in the sense that there's a massive loss of life and it tears apart the United States. And the reconciliation that occurs after the Civil War is strained. You have reconstruction. There's a lot of tension. Now, in most other places, when you have this kind of Civil War, things don't just go back to normal right? Like you don't just have people rejoin the United States or rejoin the country that they were fighting against, you know, in other countries and just become part of them. And there's no problems, right? You end up with insurgent militias. You end up with people, you know, a guerrilla fighting for decades or maybe even a yeah, century. Like there's long-standing conflict and animus. There's a lot of pushback from those that were conquered during the civil war and placed back under the subjugation of the main uh, of the like the victorious side that didn't happen so much in the united states there was tension for sure right there's the reconstruction tension and those kind of things however uh, a lot of the healing that occurred came from the fact that many parts of the united states allowed the south to retain a certain level of honor that the dead of the south were allowed to be honored that memorials were built that uh, grave sites were built and that this was allowed to continue well into things like, you know, the, the first and second uh, world wars. Remember, many of the people who would have been alive during, say, World War One would have had living memory of relatives who fought in the Civil War. Right. So that the, those events were not that far apart. They would have remembered people who had fought or maybe even died if they were old enough in the Civil War. And so. When those cemeteries were being out built and those monuments were being built, even though some of them weren't built until, say, the early 1900s, they were often still built with this reconciliation in mind. And that helped to heal the country in a way that you don't get if you aren't allowing these people to maintain their honor. Right. The, the celebration of the United States coming back together was a critical part of the healing. And that and the honoring of the dead, even those who fought on the other side, understanding that they were simply defending their homeland in many cases and that they were simply fighting for what they thought was independence. That was part of the healing. But of course, a lot of modern people, they don't get this. They don't understand this. They're not tied to this history. And so therefore, even many conservatives are like, well, whatever, you know, this is all the past. These guys were traitors. They were, you know, they, they betrayed us and therefore... Uh, it's fine to kind of forget why we honored these people. Of course, many people, Donald Trump included, said, look, they're not going to stop with these. And you can remember 
a lot of people mocked Donald Trump at the time. Oh, he's a neo-confederate. He, you know, he he's a secessionist or whatever, because he said, look, they're not going to stop with statues of Robert E. Lee. They're going to move on. Like this is this is going to continue. It's going to get more and more aggressive. And of course, he was right, right? So they, the progressive mobs start with conserve or with with Confederate generals, but then they move on to statues of people who used to own slaves, and then then it's anybody who's connected to slavery, which is basically everyone at at that point in history. And eventually, they're just knocking down everything, right? They're going after founding fathers, removing statues of Thomas Jefferson and and Abraham Lincoln, the the guy who who headed the the uh, you know the union during the civil war it didn't matter because progressives may mock the notion of your sacred history you know traditional america and its ties to its history but they understand the importance of destroying it right they they know how important that is and so the left are, are really clear on the importance of statues and history and memory and what you tolerate and what you honor they're perfectly aware of the problem, right? Which is why they make sure that you can put up a altar of Satan in a state house during Christmas, right? That's intentional. They know that. They, they can't tolerate the public statue of a founding father. They can't tolerate a statue of Abraham Lincoln, but they will demand that you tolerate a satanic altar in your state capitol. Now, remember, many of these uh, statues were ripped down by protesters. They, they they were not officially removed. Now, today, we've been officially removing, and I'll get into more of that in a second, but many of them were not officially removed by some kind of bureaucratic process, though that would still have been evil and still would have been wrong. But I guess at least the legalism would have been fulfilled, right? The letter of the law and the process would have happened for conservatives that fall for that kind of thing. But they didn't even bother with that. Most of, Many of these statues, rather were removed violently or were removed spontaneously or removed uh, you know, under the power of the protesters and not by any official force. But of course, the police stood by, they watched, they did nothing because the regime was on the side of these people, right? That Remember this about popular action, guys. Popular action works when the regime approves of it. Popular protests, pulling down statues, these things usually work because the people around them agree with them, right? They don't take action. The police don't stop them. Real protests, there are consequences. Just ask people on January 6th. That, that they'll, they'll tell you there are real consequences for actual protests that the regime does not approve of. But of course, they, they approved of the statues coming down. They agreed with all the ideology involved. So all these college campuses where they were tearing down the statues of the founders, well, the colleges already agreed with that. The administrators already agreed with that. So the police stood by. You know, a lot of these liberal uh, areas where these statues were torn down, they already agreed with it. So, so they just stood by and watched it happen. And so they, they understand that they're not going to allow that to continue. They're not going to, the, the, or rather, they're going to allow those things to get pulled down. They're not going to allow those statues that they disagree with to continue to stand, right? However, you have to, in the name of the First Amendment, allow a satanic altar in the Iowa State Capitol. Again, the, the, the enemies of tradition, they never miss an opportunity to desecrate a public space. They, they, demoralization is the point. They're, they're there to make you feel bad. They're there to make you feel defeated. And so they want to publicly humiliate, humiliate you. So when the satanic temple figures out that they can you know, uh, exploit the rules and they can go ahead and put a statue, a satanic altar in the state uh, capitol, by exploiting the idea of religious expression, they're going to do that. Now, the reason they can do that, of course, is that Republicans are cowards, okay? Uh, especially, particularly Republican politicians. Uh, not, not all conservatives are. Uh, there, there are, uh, we'll talk about here what, what happened. Uh, but uh, but the, the political leaders that should have stood up for their Christian faith should have stood up for uh, a defense of, uh, of their public spaces and the sacredness of their public spaces. They didn't. And you had guys like uh, Iowa representative John Dunwell, who's a Republican, of course, uh, and, and just becomes this, this coward. He gets, he gets on, uh, on X, he gets on Twitter and he makes a post about how he's proud of the 
uh, kind of the 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 progress or he didn't call it progressive the the tolerant culture that would allow the culture of of pluralism and tolerance that would allow a satanic altar in the Iowa State Capitol. And he does something interesting. Okay, not only does he say that uh, he he's for this, he also says that to deny this ability to Satanists, to deny this ability to Satanists, would be Christian nationalism. And he warns about the, the, the fear of Christian nationalism. I'm going to go on more about that in detail in a second, because I think that's central to why some conservative leaders are pushing back against uh, opposition to this, are saying, no, we have to tolerate this. I, I think uh, the, the narrative of Christian nationalism is central to this. But, they, but again, the, there's this cowardice by the Republican politicians. Uh, this, this kind of humiliation ritual continues in the public square until eventually uh, a former Navy aviator who also, uh, I think, ran for uh, the Iowa, uh, as an Iowa state representative. Um, I don't think he won, but he, he, was a, he was a candidate, a former candidate, along with being a veteran uh, named Michael Cassidy. He went in, he beheaded the statue, and he, he left it uh, kind of in ruins, right? And he left it in ruins. In fact, someone came by and stuck a Christ is King sticker uh, to the head of the statue, uh, which was amazing. Um, uh, just We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, however, uh, a lot of people got worked up about this, right? So let's talk about why they, why people fall for this. Why did so many conservative leaders think that, you know, they, they needed to denounce the actions of Cassidy. Now to be clear, like Dunwell's post on Twitter came before Cassidy's action. Like that was just, that was just cowardice for the sake of cowardice, right? It's just, just to get out there and virtue signal even before there was any pressure to get out ahead and denounce Christian nationalism and, and show your tolerance and how this is all far, part of the first amendment and the rule of law and all these things. But after Cassidy's action, I mean, you would have expected, okay, well, I mean, the, the obviously like religious Christians are going to be like, okay, man, you know, maybe I, I, I worry about the, the, the ramifications about, you know, the law or that kind of thing. But, but given the context and, and the moment. I understand why you're there. You, you think there would have been that response on the right, and then the left would have been the ones losing their minds. But of course, the left did lose their minds, and that is rich, right? Because they're the ones tearing down statues. They are the ones who are uh, destroying these monuments, again, against all law, all rule of law, uh, the, tearing them down. I mean, now they have, uh, they're compelling people to remove them. They actually have the state power to remove them. But, uh, you know, initially they were tearing them down on their own. It was their own movement, that kind of thing. Right. And then uh, but but of course, they lost their mind when Cassidy does it because it's different when the right does it. It's, it's not OK. Uh, but what's interesting is the number of people on the right, the number of people who are Christians, the number of people who are supposed to be Republicans, conservative leaders who had an outcry. You had people like James Lindsay declaring, you know, cause everything is fascism. Uh, James Lindsay is, is, is a cartoon. Uh, he, he, uh, um, the MSNBC calls everything fascism, but James Lindsay might be, he might be catching up. He might, he, I think he might be making up for lost time, uh, accusing literally every breathing human, uh, of, of fascism every 10 seconds. Uh, Oh, are you questioning anything that I say? Are you, you, you taking any action of any kind? Uh, probably a fascist, uh, but 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 so he was whining about it. A bunch of people were whining about it uh, online, and so I want to talk a little bit about like why. So so I guess I want to make the the conservative case. So here it is. Here here's the conservative case for why you should 
oppose satanic uh satanic altars I, and again we shouldn't have to make this astonishing that we do but but here we go here's the conservative case for why you actually do have to uh you actually do have to oppose satanic statues all right so you can't fall for progressive distortions of founding principles guys you as a especially as a conservative leader if you're billing yourself as a conservative leader and i think some of these people aren't i think certain people who uh like to like to like to put themselves in that position uh and even show up to large conservative conferences are just you know are not uh however uh i think there are some genuinely conservative people or or uh republic you know people who call themselves christians and republicans who who say oh no this is part this is part of religious liberty of course we have to defend this uh, guys, you have to stop being misled by progressives. You cannot listen to progressive arguments and take them on board as your own values just because they ha- they managed to like get that into a court ruling or even into law doesn't mean it's correct. Okay, you cannot engage. You cannot be enslaved to legalism. Okay, that doesn't mean that the law is not important. It is, of course, important. The letter of the law does matter, but you have to remember what the spirit of the law is. And most importantly, you cannot be completely cowed by the left's ability to manipulate law. Okay, you have to, yeah, because they're not, they, they do what they want when they want it, and then they wield the law, right? That That's, they, they do it after the fact. And obviously, you may not be in that position. The tactics might not be for the same, the same for the right. I'm not advocating necessarily for that in all these situations. It, it's very, uh, it, it is, context is really important. It depends on the situation. However, you cannot be enslaved to this idea because the left is not, okay? And and you should not be completely beholden to the fact that these people manipulated a procedure and now you just have to listen to everything they say. That's not actually how this works. All right, so what's the argument against conservatives adopting what is an extremely modern understanding of religious liberty, Okay. Here's the thing. Any civilization has to prefer its own culture and history to survive. Okay, that, that's that's just the case. You must give a preference to your own history and culture. If you don't give your own a preference to your own history and culture, you don't have one. Your culture will die. It will be drowned out by those who give a preference to theirs. I'm sorry, but the marketplace of ideas is more of a battlefield of ideas. And people are not going to just sit there and say, oh, well, you know what? That That is the best thing. And therefore, I'm no, that they're going to fight. The side that wants to win is going to beat the side that just wants to be left alone and do their own thing and have their own identity and their own culture and their own beliefs. I, I wish that was the case. Me too. In a perfect world, that's exactly how life would be. But it's not. And if you live your life believing that it is, you're a fool and you're going to be conquered. Okay. You must prefer your own culture. You must prefer your own history. You must prefer your own religion. You must prefer your own way of life if your nation is going to survive, especially in our modern scenario where we have large-scale immigration, people coming from other cultures, other way of lives, other belief systems. It is essential that you preserve your identity, your culture, your history, your way of life by preferring it. The United States is a Protestant Christian nation. That doesn't mean that Catholics can't be here. That doesn't mean that Orthodox Christians can't be here. I have many friends who are Catholics and Orthodox Christians. I love them. I value them. They are my brothers in Christ. However, the character of of the nation from its beginning has been Protestant. Yes, Catholics were here. I understand. I'm not saying they weren't. There are other people who practice other religions who are here. We'll get into that in a second. But Protestant Christianity is the character of the nation. It's baked into the United States at its core. That means that you must have a preference for that culture and that structure. Now, again, that doesn't mean that other forms of Christianity and even other great religions to some extent can't be practiced in the United States. You can have some level of Islamic practice or, uh, or Judaism, those kind of things. But the culture will be primarily Protestant Christian. And that will be the kind of holidays that it celebrates. And those will be the kind of, of rituals and culture that it will, and beliefs that it will honor. That has to be the primary identity of the United States. If you don't prefer it, you will lose it, okay? The Founding Fathers would have totally understood that. That would not have been confusing to them. You would not need that complaint explained to them. Now let's talk about satanic altars. 
Satanism is Satanism is not a long-standing faith tradition. Okay, it's not a it's not an alternate Christian sect. It's it's not it's not a, another denomination of Christianity who has some doctrinal disagreements with you, but is still largely trying to pursue Christ and, and His message. It's not even another long-standing faith tradition like Islam or or uh, Judaism or Buddhism or something that has a history of genuinely seeking to commune with the holy, with the divine. Now, to be clear, I think those religions are false. I, I think that Christianity is true. That is my religion. I believe Christ is king and that th that has to be preferred above others. However, those faith traditions at least are pursuing a real connection with the holy, with the divine. And it is usually understood that the, there is a value because Christianity is not trying to force people directly under any kind of, you know, whatever people throw around about Christian nationalism. You are looking for real conversions, sincere conversions. Those are the only ones that matter. And so if people are seeking a commune with the divine through other longstanding faith traditions, okay, that's something that could possibly be practiced in the United States, right? Satanism cannot. That, that, that is not what that is. That is not a legitimate faith tradition. It's not a real search for communing with the holy. It's just a bunch of Reddit atheists, right? That's the whole thing. And they love to do this. They're like, oh, we're not really Satanists. You know, we're, we, we, we just like to, we don't believe in any religion. And so therefore, uh, we're going to go ahead and have this altar because it doesn't really matter. We're not really summoning evil. We're not really honoring evil because we don't believe in evil. So that's not a real thing. You don't have to worry about it. Of course, they're idiots because, of course, evil is real. And the only thing they've done by not believing in evil is just open themselves up to being servants of it. I want to be really clear. There is no ironic Satan. That's not a thing, okay? Oh, I'm too clever to believe in religion. I'm not really serving Satan. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. The devil's best trick is getting you to believe he doesn't exist. Because then there's nothing to worry about, right? You don't really have to deal with it. Because I'll tell you this, I know a lot of people who used to be atheists or a lot of people who used to be agnostic who became religious or specifically Christian first because they learned that evil was real. Because if you realize that evil is real, then you have to acknowledge that there is a metaphysical reality. That it's not just about the physical stuff you can touch right? That the, there, there is real truth that's beyond your ability to see and touch and hear and taste. And once you acknowledge that, because you have observed true evil, that opens you up to the observation that there's true good. And many people come to religion, many people come to Christ, because they recognize the, the reality of evil. So yeah, you can definitely serve evil. You can definitely serve Satan by not believing in him. By saying, oh, well, that's not real. And so therefore, I can do all the things that a Satanist would do, but it's not real. It doesn't really count. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And, and, and so when, when this is happening, right? Yeah, the, the atheist believes that they're, they're, uh, they're tricking everyone, but they're only tricking themselves at the end of the day. However, the point is that religious liberty doesn't exist to protect atheists who want to troll a bunch of people, right? That's not the purpose of religious liberty. Yes, it's in the Constitution, but it's there so people with real faith traditions, with a real interest in seeking the divine, can do so in their own way. It's not there for people to troll and destroy the public uh, expression of religion, which is what this actually does. Once you allow people to put up this stuff that mocks religion, when you allow them to exploit this, then they degrade the expression of religion. They, de they degrade the expression of the holy and the divine. That's not the purpose of freedom of religion. That's not the purpose of free expression. That's not why it exists. It exists so that people can make their own decision on how to pursue and how to worship and experience the divine. It's not there for people to mock and deride it and make public expressions meaningless. And it certainly doesn't mean that you have to allow a literal monument to evil inside the state capitol. That's insane. Look, constitutional conservatives and Christians, nothing in your doctrine requires you to tolerate a satanic altar. I'm going to say that again. Neither constitutional conservatism nor Christianity require you to tolerate a satanic altar. 
And the fact that many conservative leaders would even entertain the idea speaks to how vulnerable the right is to legalism. It shows you how gullible our leaders can be when it comes to having their devotion to legalism exploited. Because they think the Constitution is just a set of words on paper. But it's not just a set of words on paper. Those set of words on paper mean something because they're connected to a tradition. This is something that conservatives get wrong and that the left gets right. Sorry, I'm going to make some people angry here. You know, strap in. The, the Constitution is a living document. It is. Because it's always being interpreted. It has to be interpreted. Now, you might say, oh, I want an interpretation that's faithful to the original. Well, me too. But guess what? That means you have to understand what the original meant. Everything is contextual. Everything is born in context. Those words only mean things if you understand the culture and the values from which they arose. And if you lose the culture and values from which they arose, the words don't mean what they meant when they were written. They mean something else. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to get postmodern on you, but words are just symbols. They communicate ideas, and ideas are alive and active and growing. They're changing all the time. And you'll know this if you've ever studied, say, a dead language. If you study something like Latin, you'll understand that many of the concepts in Latin don't graft in to modern day expressions because they didn't have those concepts back then. You can't just take Latin and slap it on to the modern world. I mean, you can do your best. Like, yeah, if you, if you do like Duolingo in Latin, they'll, they'll try to like take pieces of it and, and kind of mold it into something new. But again, that's breaking it out of its original context and turning it into a living language again. So that those those ideas are open and moldable again. They don't just say frozen in time, okay? And the Constitution's the same way. If you don't understand that it has to be tied to the tradition and that tradition has to be alive in our modern day for the words to mean anything, then you don't understand what constitutions actually do. You think they're just documents that get written down and then they're set in stone in perpetuity. That's not how it works. Constitutions are reflections of the culture, the people, the folkways, the traditions, the ways of being of the people who wrote them. And if you continue that line, that great shade of being, that tradition, then you can live in those ideas too. And the words will mean the same thing to you. But if you don't, then they just get manipulated. And that's what's happening here is conservatives are living by the letter of law that has been manipulated and created by progressives, something that no founding father met that no Christian around during the time of the, the reading of the Constitution or the writing of the Constitution would have believed. They believe these radically progressive versions and interpretations that they think, oh, well, that's just how it is. No, that's how it, that wasn't what, how it was until the 1950s or the 1970s or the 1990s, even in some cases. You're just taking progressive readings, leftist readings, and you're turning them into the conservative thing you're defending, which is like, the most conservative thing to do, unfortunately, right? So I talked a little bit about misunderstanding the legalism aspect, but I think another reason why this had the dust up that it did is a lot of people are wanting to make their case against Christian nationalism. A lot of people are wanting to virtue signal against the idea of Christian nationalism. It's the big bad boogeyman. It's James, Lin James Lindsay. Christian nationalists are hiding in his closet all the time. And so the, like Christian nationalism is the, is the next evil thing that's going to snap back. And it's, it's the ultimate evil uh, right-wing thing. That's, that's going to be the overreaction from what the woke people are doing. It's going to be the right version of wokeness and it's going to sweep through the country. A couple of things on this. First, the, you don't need to do the work of your, of the enemy for you. Okay. Now I don't agree with the title Christian nationalism and I'll explain why in a second. But even if I don't agree with the title of, of that we should take on the title of Christian nationalism, that doesn't mean you need to attribute all these evil things to Christian nationalism for the left if you're a right-wing leader, okay? You don't need to make a character of Christian nationalism. The left is already doing that, okay? So when you're playing up Cassidy's action as like the most ominous demonstration of horrific acts that Christian nationalism will inspire, you're, you're just doing that to counter-signal people to your right and say, oh, I'm one of the good ones. I'm a safe conservative. Don't have to worry about me, boy. 
I'm on I'm on your side. I mean, I mean, I'm not on your side. I'm 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 a conservative. I'm on the right, but I'm a good one. You don't have to worry. You don't have to throw me in jail. I don't need to go to the gulag with the rest of the of the crazy right wingers. I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a MAGA supporter. I'm not one of those Christian nationalists. They're just they're just never Trumpers for a new age, right? That that's all it is. It's there, it's the new version of never Trumpers. And it's pretty exhausting, right? So is this Christian nationalism? Is 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 Cassidy, you know, going up and smashing this? Is is this a demonstration of Christian nationalism? No, I'm sorry, it's not. Because you don't need to be a Christian nationalist to understand that we don't need to tolerate this kind of evil in our state, in our public spaces, in our state capitals. Okay, you don't have to be a Christian nationalist to understand that no founding American would have understood freedom of religion this way, okay? One of my problems with Christian nationalism, one of my problems with, and I've got a couple, I'm not going to go all into them here. I've already made a couple of videos as to kind of why I don't think the title is very smart. You can go back and watch those if you'd like. There are some more I want to say on that, Matt, that I don't want to go on ad nauseum, but I might make another video because I need to, to expound more on why I think that the title is not helpful. But one of the reasons that I've talked about why I don't think the title is helpful is that Christian nationalism is a label that allows the left to frame things that are normal and healthy and within the American tradition as some radical and fringe ideology. And I just don't think that's helpful. I mean, the left picked up that phrase for a reason. I understand that the word Christian nationalism predated the left's popularization of it, but you can tell, you can flip a switch as to when the left decided to popularize the phrase Christian nationalism. And a lot of people uh, in the Christian nationalism movement always come to me and say, oh, well, but that's the brilliance of it, Oren, because we turn their language against them. They're, 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 they think they're so clever, but at the end of the day, we're the ones who are winning because they're actually popularizing our title for us. It's not how that works, man. Picking up the, the tools of your enemies, stepping into the trap of your enemy is pretty much always a mistake, okay? Which doesn't mean that there aren't certain times where you have to stand your ground. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe this is one of them, but I don't think it is. Because I think rhetorically, it allows people on the left to take things that were always part of America, were always part of the American tradition, and make them sound weird and fringe and radical and something that is beyond the pale. It's the next scary thing. That's a problem, right? You want normal people to understand that America was a Christian nation, that the founding generation of Americans would have seen it as their moral duty to smash a satanic altar erected in a government building. And they wouldn't have thought that that violated the establishment clause or freedom of the religion. They said, no, of course, this is something evil. Of course, I'm going to get rid of this, right? Like that, that's just part of what I'm going to do. And so I think it's, it's a mistake to label that as something weird and different. It, I think we should be putting that in the frame of when America always was, as, as that, that should be something that is understood as part of American identity from its founding through to today. It's a continuous tradition that's still alive rather than some new thing that we're, we're packaging as Christian nationalism. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. We can, we can hash that out later. That's not the point of kind of this, this talk. I just want to say that, that I do, I, I, while I am not a Christian nationalist for the reasons and, and many more that I've already spoken about, it is silly to attribute this as some idea that can only exist inside Christian nationalism. And I think nobody does themselves any favors, whether it be Christian nationalists or these more, you know, soft uh, conservatives who are just trying to kind of stay regime approved. I think it's a mistake for both people to try to polarize this event and characterize it as an excess of Christian nationalism or something like that, or can only be believed by a Christian nationalist. I don't think that's a good idea. All right. So last thing I want to say, last thing I want to touch on before I wrap up this talk is the idea of the sacred and profane when it comes to our, our public spaces, right? Because I started this talk off, I started this episode off by talking about why statues matter, right? And, and to just recenter why statues matter. While all this has been going on, while this this satanic idol is smashed, and you know conservatives debate about whether or not this is Christian nationalism or whether or not we should we should be tolerating this statue, the Biden administration has been working to remove a monument from the Arlington National Cemetery that commemorates the reconciliation between the North and South 
after the Civil War. You see, after the summer of Floyd, after the BLM riots, uh, Congress decided that they had to purge all Confederate monuments from federal property. And so they wrote a law saying you had to get rid of all these monuments that were honoring the Confederacy. Again, Republicans going along with it, being being facilitators of this. Also, a great way uh, to to tell uh, people that mob violence works in America. Uh, sorry, but don't don't confuse yourselves. That's exactly what the message was. If if you go out and riot, you burn down cities, you destroy things. Uh, we we will capitulate to you. Now, of course, they only again to be clear, they only capitulated because they already agreed with the BLM riots. They, the, their soft power was already lined up with these public demonstrations. To be very clear. Do not do this on the right. It will not go your way. The, the the momentum does not swing the other way, specifically because the regime approves of the left, regime approves of the BLM rioters. They approve of what happens there. That's why they capitulated, not just the demonstrations. But the demonstrations obviously are correctly are, are directly connected and correctly identified as a causal relationship with the removal of these statues. So they passed this law and they got to remove all of these statues. Now the legislation specifically says that there's an exemption for grave sites. You don't have to remove this monument actually, because it's at a grave site. And so therefore it, it, it's exempt from the law, but that doesn't matter. The Biden administration wants it gone, right? They have to obliterate this piece of history. We must remove this from public memory. Why? Well, they want to get rid of the idea of reconciliation, right? They don't want that honored anymore. They don't want the idea that the two pieces of America that can disagree in a very serious way could come back together. They don't like that anymore. There is no idea that the regime could at some point honor the other side. That's dead. That's done. That's dusted. And so they tried to remove this. Now, initially a judge said, well, this might violate the, you know, the, the provision in the law. And is if it's going to mess with the grave, then we need to halt this. And they stopped it for a while, but eventually the monument has now been removed. Uh, the, the the Pentagon has has removed this monument. And I think that's really telling because even as leftists are removing your history, as they went by, you know, they, they, they remove things from grave sites. They remove things from monuments that are to your founders. They're removing American war monuments. As they're destroying all of these things that are sacred, that hold the memory of the country together, conservative leaders are telling you no we have to aggressively approve of the religious tolerance and pluralism that allows us to honor satan in our state capitals that's where we're at right now that's a level of cowardice that is just unacceptable and and it's a level of idiocy okay if you are backing this understanding this interpretation of religious liberty and you're sincere about that you got to think about this real quick, okay? If you have a conservatism that cannot make a case for removing satanic altars, for barring satanic altars, you don't have conservatism, okay? I mean, conservatism has failed on every level. Look at where we are, okay? And, and there's no clear, uh, uh, clear picture of conservatism's failure than being unable to make a conservative case for why you cannot have a satanic altar. Because you didn't have to do it 60 years ago. You certainly didn't have to do it 100 years ago. And if you had done it in the like the 1790s, you would have been lucky to walk out of whatever building you built that in with everything attached. So the idea that this is what the founders wanted or this is what Christians have always believed is insane. And if you're a modern conservative leader and you think this is what your principles require of you, you should probably take a look at those principles. It's important to have principles. I'm not saying don't have principles. You should absolutely have principles, but they should be your principles, not principles that were handed to you by the progressive media, not principles that were handed to you by your left-wing law school, not principles that were filtered down to you through the ratchet of leftism in the American political system. They should be the principles of your faith, the principles of your history. And you can only have those principles if you're actually tied to those things. You can only have those principles if they're connected to something important. And so I'm just trying to tell people who consider themselves conservative, who consider themselves on the right, who believe themselves to be standing up 
for what the Republican Party or the American founders believed in. If you think that standing up to those things requires a satanic altar, you cannot make a conservative case for banning this of all things. Then maybe maybe those principles deserve to be discarded. Maybe they belong belong on the trap the trash heap of history, because they certainly are not going to protect America, especially at this late stage. Okay, you need a more robust understanding of traditions. You need a more robust understanding of your principles, because if you had that, you wouldn't be talking this kind of lunacy. You would understand what really went in to those founding documents and those founding ideas. And they certainly did not require you to honor a satanic altar in the middle of a state capitol building. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and switch over to our questions here. Looks like we have quite a lot of them. So let me get started. Uh, Andrew Guller for $20. Hello, Oren. I'm a new subscriber out of curiosity. What do you think of RJ Rushdoon's worldview on, on politics and culture? Well, man, I'm I'm really sorry. Uh, I appreciate the the new subscription and the and the donation, but I I don't know who that is. I feel really bad because I just have, I, even if I googled, I wouldn't really have a a, a real answer to that. So I'm I'm sorry. Uh, if you have another question, uh, throw it throw it in the chat and I'll I'll answer it for free. Sorry that I don't have a better answer for you there. I feel bad after that super chat, but I I just don't. I'm not familiar with that background. Herbert Weirdo. But my freeze speech or my freeze speech. Yeah, I mean, again, that's not what free speech was ever about. And that's specifically not what uh, what exercise of religion was about, right? Freedom of religion was about. Now, if you were, again, if you're a legitimate faith tradition, even one that deeply disagrees with Christianity, we can talk, okay? that that's, You are still pursuing the divine in a way that is in line with, I think, a, a healthy human understanding of of trying to under or rather trying to obtain a healthy understanding of these things. Maybe, maybe it's not the right one. In fact, I'll, I'll say it's not the right one if it's not Christianity, but at least you're legitimately pursuing that. That's what religious tolerance is there to actually do. It's not there so that you can get trolled by Reddit atheists. That's, that's not its actual goal. And there's no reason to honor it. Uh, Chris here for $10, read the bet with academic Asian. If you guys missed that stream yesterday, you should go back and watch it. That was a lot of fun. Uh, look into the Mises caucus takeover of the Libertarian Party for a real world example of what happens when the Wokies lose. They cannot moderate and will attempt to burn it all down on the way out. Uh, yeah, I'm certainly sure that's how that worked. I have not looked into entirely the um, the whole history of that. I was actually in a scuffle with the Libertarians today on Twitter. They got angry at me. Um, there, There's... Uh, well, Dave Smith and I will maybe have to go round three at some point. Um, we managed to disagree more on Twitter than we do on in, in live streams. I think that's how Twitter works. Uh, may, probably healthier to just have these debates in real life. Uh, but yeah, I would be interested in, in knowing a little more about that. I mean, I, I hope the guys at the Mises Caucus the best. They are the best of the libertarians. I really wish they would just call themselves something else so they don't have to deal with all the baggage of libertarianism. But they seem intent on spending the next 20 years trying to like, lose the specter of the guy dancing in his underwear. Godspeed. You know, I, I tell conservatives to stop calling themselves conservatives because they're not conserving things anymore. I, I give the libertarians the same advice, but you know, who knows if anyone will listen to me. Cooper weirdo. So when are you, uh, so when are you going to get Jonathan uh, Peugeot on the show? Talk about symbolism and stories. It would be really based. I have great news for your Cooper weirdo. Uh, I got in touch with Jonathan just last week. I haven't heard back from his schedule yet, but hopefully in the new year, I will have that episode for you. So you ask, the people uh, demand it, and don't don't let it be said that I do not attempt to deliver. Uh, let's see. Ostomizos Prime for $1.99. What's next? The Satan Clubs in Public Schools? Oh, wait. Yes, exactly. Um, again, there's no reason these things should be tolerated. There's no reason they should exist. Uh, that is not the way that the law should be understood. And if it is understood that way, it should be changed. Uh, we have to have principles that uh, exist beyond legalism uh, and obviously allowing people to engage in this behavior uh, in a public setting, uh, specifically one sponsored uh, by public tax dollars in the public square, obviously is it's you know, demonstrably evil, uh, which is why it's labeled the Satan Club. Uh, Panda Skeptic here says freedom of religion uh, for them, but not for us, huh? 
Uh, nah. Well, yeah, of course, uh, that's how it works, right? The left is always calling for these neutral principles, but they never abide by them, uh, which is why you must have freedom of religion. But of course, uh, the FBI will show up if you say, I don't know, protest in front of a clinic or something. Uh, they'll they'll show up to your house. And so, you know, the freedom of religion is uh, obviously a, a very, a very sketchy thing. They They have to have it at all times. Yours is constantly curtailed. Uh, Skeptical Panda here says, I actually do appreciate when writers, grifters, and soft cons tell us who they are. It gives us the ability to know who not to support or listen to. Yep. I mean, so this is, of course, obviously the case. Uh, clarity is better. I'd rather formally understand. Now, I, to be clear, one of the reasons I am you know, doing this episode is I would like to change minds. There are people who I like, uh, people who have had me on their shows and things, who I just disagree with this on. Uh, and I would like the opportunity to convince them. That's why I'm doing this. So this is not me attacking everyone who has this view and saying, oh, well, you know, every one of you are liars and grifters. Some might be, you know, I think that certainly exists, but some of them might just genuinely disagree. And that's why I'm having this conversation. So, you know, I, I want, you know, this, this is in some way an attempt to persuade, to show them there is a real conservative case for this. You do not have to, uh, you know, uh, allow this stuff to be a real constitutional conservative, even though I myself am not, you know, would, would not wear that label. I think even inside that tradition, there's no reason for you to defend this stuff. You do not need to be some kind of Christian nationalist uh, to see this as a problem. Uh, you just have to be anyone who is in any way in touch with the traditions and understandings of American principles that existed more than 10 years ago. Uh, Creeper Weirdo, Satanism is an anti-religion. It's illegitimate. Yes, that's exactly my point, sir. That it's not real. It's not a. It's not a real pursuit of religious understanding. Uh, even though I might think other religions are misguided, I might disagree with them. That's very different from one that is obviously clearly created just to go ahead and uh, troll people to just to be insincere and uh, and uh, exploit that provision. If if something is being exploited on purpose, you should probably think about why it's allowing it to be exploited. Adam E here says, I caught your Twitter space. Have, have you considered the, that real liberalism has never been tried before? Merry Christmas. Well, thank you for coming by, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that guys. I maybe, uh, I tried out having a, a Twitter space when I have some extra time during the day before a show goes live, just to explore some things that maybe don't deserve a whole show, but I, I wanted to go, you know, think about them a little bit out loud and go in more depth than to tweet on them. So, you know, if you want to stop by from those, uh, feel free. Uh, had a lot of people come out, so that was nice. Uh, and I appreciate you coming by, man. Merry Christmas, of course, to everybody. I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, cell here uh, says, Christ did not even tolerate mundane commerce in the temple courtyard. What do you think he would have done to a statue of Moloch if he found one? Yeah, I think that's kind of the most obvious rebuttal. There's this really weird belief that Christianity is about tolerance. Uh, it's not. Tolerance is not a Christian value. Uh, that that is not something uh, that you will find in the Bible. That's not something you will find in the Old Testament or New Testament God. It's not something you will find in Jesus Christ. Now, that does not mean, of course, uh, that there are not situations in which uh, you you should not allow people. Again, I believe that you should allow the practice of legitimate faith traditions inside the United States that are not Christian, even if it is from it, it was primarily a, a, a predominantly a Protestant Christian nation. I'm not for banning those practices, right? So, so I'm, I am for a certain level of pursuit of that. I think that is something that is in line with the American tradition, but pretending that that Christianity is just this idea that you can allow, you know, a, a statue of evil, a, 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 uh, altar of evil inside your state buildings. That's a problem. That is, that is not what Christianity would have said. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have Cliff Jaded here. It says, America uh, was a Protestant nation from its inception. My pastor is a Baptist minister in Singapore. This secular revisionism makes me want to fed post. Love your stuff and hope you get your cigar from academic agent soon. Well, don't, don't do that. Don't post like that. But thank you. Yeah, I agree that uh, that that this is the case. It is sexual. It is secular revisionism. It's sad that so many people on the right have bought into that revisionism. But that's true of so many things. There there are quite a few areas in which the right has bought into the left's uh, story and has made it their own. Uh, but I do appreciate you and your support for me in my battle against academic agent. 
and his uh, his desire to continue to deny me the cigar I so rightly desire. Uh, cigar Slam 2025 will continue. Uh, I, th I do think he should uh, just go ahead and give up now so he doesn't have to be embarrassed by his constant losses in this area. But, you know, it, you, you some people are just stubborn. They just they just have to take all the L's before they finally hand over that cigar. But it will be mine. And I appreciate your support of me in this battle. Uh, uh, Lord Chronicler says the enemy is real uh, or the enemy in reality works exactly like chaos and 40 K. There is no ironic chaos worship. There is no ironic Satan worship. Christ is King vanquish evil. Amen. Correct. Uh, and I do love 40 K for that reason. It is, it is a great universe uh, because it is very based in how it uh, portrays evil in many ways. Uh, Tiny Rick says Buddhists and Christians are very different. Uh, uh, have very different metaphysics, but very similar values. Turns out we have the exact same enemies. Great show today. Well, thank you very much, man. I'm not super big on all of Buddhist doctrine, but I appreciate your support. Uh, Cliff Jaded says, the conservative case for satanic honors in Congress. David French, question, when do you think the secularization of U.S. history began? Hi from uh, SG. Well, thanks, man. I, I would say, uh, first, of course, this, this title was a playoff, the famous David French joke, so... I appreciate you taking the time to make it. When do I think the secularization of U.S. history began? Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think that obviously Christianity is still a major force in the United States, you know, uh, through through long sections of history up to the 60s probably is the first place it really gets a massive pushback. Of course, there was a, a desperate attempt to secularize in the 20s and 30s. Uh, or if you look at something like uh, if, if you look at some of these organizations that kind of arise during that time, uh, the post-World War II that still exists. Uh, but but, you know, the, the, the characterization of the 50s as this hyper Christian moment is true in some ways. But in some ways, it's, it's also like the left trying to characterize that as as far as things could go uh, instead of understanding that that itself was already there was a process underway. So when does the secularization of U.S. history begin? I don't know. That, that That's a difficult thing to pinpoint. I think it was an ongoing process. Some would say since the Enlightenment, some th since the, ins the instantiation of the U.S. I think people like Curtis Yarvin might say that. I think that's a little extreme. Uh, we could debate that for a long time. But I do think that uh, you definitely see it start to kick up, of course, as uh, the left really picks up, the new left picks up uh, serious power. Atheism starts entering I think the conversation in a more more real way in the, in the 60s and going onward. Uh, obviously, secularization is a big part of liberalism and uh, or the left, rather, I should say, and it, and the push of the left. It, I mean, it's a big part of liberalism writ large. Classical liberalism is a secularizing force. Uh, but but I think the, the more radical version of it certainly comes in in the 60s. Uh, Skeptical Panda here says Merry Christmas to all. Well, thank you, sir. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, Madden Williams says, any chance that you will have Sam Hyde on? Merry Christmas. You know, uh, I, I would love to talk to Sam. He's, I, he actually does follow me on Twitter. Uh, he's very funny. Uh, has some of the makes, uh, has, you know, created some of the best memes of all time. I don't know. I don't know if he'd be interested in coming on. That would, that'd be interesting for sure. I, I, I think Sam would, would, is just way funnier than I'm capable of. I don't know if I, I'm a little too straight man. Uh, though maybe that's the comic duo you need, right? Maybe Sam Hyde and I create the comedy, but or count the the buddy comedy uh like buddy cop duo of the century maybe, maybe that's really what we need uh but uh but i do appreciate the uh, merry christmas man uh let's see uh general grievance uh that is uh, still one of my favorite uh names it, it's that special time of year when i catch the end of your stream and can buy you a coffee or eggnog whichever merry christmas i love both i'm i am both a coffee and eggnog enjoyer uh so uh excellent uh, man really appreciate it again fantastic uh, screen name uh evan m here says tolerance is not a christian value glad we agree on that uh, it is an english value arising from the centuries of religious strife it comes from a specific time and place and doesn't apply universally well and that's another really impl important point right uh carl benjamin uh has has made the case uh rather often uh including on this show that uh, classical liberalism is not something that is actually supposed to be universalized, even though that is its impulse. It is specifically for the English. Uh, it is it is the natural state of an Englishman, uh, and it works in that context, but not outside of it. Uh, he's probably got a good point there. Uh, it, it, there there's, there's a number of jokes about uh, kind of who uh, classical liberalism can apply to uh, profitably. 
Um, it certainly does not work in kind of large uh, empire-wide democracies, uh, though I suppose that's what England became and also perhaps also it, what its downfall in some ways. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. That is certainly not something that is universalizable. Uh, the, the tolerance can work inside a certain bandwidth, right? If you agree to certain axioms, you can have a certain amount of tolerance, which is why the Protestant Christianity thing was kind of the loose social glue in America, right? Everyone agreed to some extent, like you could be any kind of Protestant Christian you want. You could even be like, a, I guess, a Catholic if you wanted to, uh, you know, that, that, you know, that you were viewed with some suspicion for, for your popery. Uh, but, uh, but, but in general, that was okay to some extent. Uh, but, but Christianity was most certainly the glue that held everything together. That consensus allowed people to have different versions of Protestant Christianity or even, even, uh, you know, Orthodox Christianity, uh, inside the nation and still hold together. But once you started adding all of these different cultures, all these different people from different places, different languages, different backgrounds that could not as easily graft into the existing Protestant Christian culture of America. And they started trying to make carve outs that that's when you had a problem. Uh, let's see. Krupa weirdo says Dave might be a huge dork, but he's right. This is a battle of faith. Look, we're all big dorks here. Uh, but yeah, but no, uh, yes. Dave, the distributist is right. This is a battle of faith. Uh, he is absolutely right to have that meme. And then we have uh, bend over Christ is King. God bless you. And Merry Christmas. Well, thank you very much, man. Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, this will probably be my last broadcast before Christmas itself. So, of course, I want to go ahead and wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And uh, I will probably go ahead and do, like, I usually do, like, a, a post-Christmas uh, hangout with some of the friends of the channel. So you might see that. I usually do my uh, I usually do my uh, end of year reading list. So I'll probably do that. I, so I won't be doing as many shows over the holiday, obviously, because I'll be spending that time with my family and such. Uh, but I certainly want to go ahead and say Merry Christmas to everybody before I head out. Great to have everybody by uh, today. I had a great time again with that AA stream every, yesterday. Everybody loved that. Uh, got a lot of compliments on that. Everybody had a fun time. So I'm glad everybody enjoyed that. And if you haven't gotten to catch it, you should definitely go check it out because it was a lot of fun. Appreciate you guys stopping by. Merry Christmas. And I will see you next time.